Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Just recently on the Jewish calendar, they observed the most important holiday of the year, which is called the Day of Atonement. How many have ever heard of the Day of Atonement? Well, I want to talk to you about that and you're, you may be sitting here going, well, why are we going to talk about something that's important to a faith that's not like ours? Well, let me tell you why. Because that's where we find our roots. Christianity comes from Jewish faith. We are Judeo-Christians. Everybody say that. Judeo-Christians. That's who we are. We serve the same God they did. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is our God. Amen? Now, there's something about finding out your roots. Hey, anybody ever done the, the DNA ancestry thing? Raise your hand if you've done that. Because you're curious like I have. I just did mine. I see about four people that raise their hands. And uh, I, got, I got my printout right here. And it's really interesting. If you've never done it, I would encourage you to check it out. It's not that much. It's under $100. You spit in a little thing. You know, they take your DNA. You ship it off. And about, for me, it was almost two months later, I finally got my results back. I just want to quickly give it to you, just the top percentages, because we're all a mixture of everything, right? But we all trace our roots back to the same place, which is incredible, because that's Bible. How many know that's Bible, right? But I'm, uh, I'm 45% Native American. Go figure, right? With a profile like that, go figure. I'm also, I'm also 36.5% European, specifically Iberian, which is Spain and Portugal, right? I'm also, which was news to me, Ashkenazi Jewish, which is uh, about one percent, uh, and then I'm also two uh, percent Sub-Saharan African. Amen. That was news to me too. But again, I've got that in my bloodline, right? Amen. That's why I relate to y'all so good. Amen. Amen. Uh, Indian. Uh, it's actually East Asian and Native American. It's forty-five percent. Native American is really broken down to 35.8%, and the rest is East Asian. So you, you know how they taught you in school. Everything kind of migrated out of really back in the old world and migrated out to this country, and that's where we're at today. But I thought this was really interesting. And, and it breaks it down into even further um, small percentages of uh, you know, I'm 1.5% West African, it says. I'm, uh, and so forth. There's a bunch of little statistics there. And it's really, really interesting to discover your roots. Some people get surprised like I did. Um, others kind of know they're Italian and, and their roots go back to an Italian. Um, but at any rate, what I want to talk to you today is about finding our and discovering those roots in the Bible. We know that we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? And so in reference to that holiday that I mentioned, it started Friday at sundown. This is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement. And I want to talk to you about why it's important, how that translates to us as New Testament believers. See, it's very important that we, we do... Um, look at the things in the Old Testament, even of the observances. We don't have to observe them as the Jewish people do. They're there as part of our roots, though. 
That's how, where we trace our, our, our history to. And it, here, here's what the, what the Bible says. And I want to read to you out of Leviticus chapter 16. And I want to invite you to stand this morning. I want to read a few verses. So just bear with me if you can stand this morning. Uh, chapter 16 starting in verse 2. But how many know the Old Testament was filled with shadows and types of things to come in the New Testament? Amen? And this is a particular shadow of something to occur in the New Testament. So I'm going to begin by reading in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 2. And I'm going to read through verse 10. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments, and next to his body he is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And verse 6, Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. He, he is then to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. And just bear with me, I want to read a few more verses in 15, same chapter, um, verse 15, skip down there. It says, He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people, and take its blood behind the curtain, and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place, because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the unclean, uncleanness of the Israelites. In verse 20, And when Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place 
and the man shall release it in the wilderness. Let's pray this morning. Father, again, we thank you for this type, this shadow that the Bible describes and is truly revealed in the New Testament through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray this morning, open our eyes, open our ears to understand what you would have us grasp from your word. I pray for anointing, Lord, upon your word. May it come out and may the hearer receive it this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. God is good. Amen. All the time. All the time. He is good. And one of the things that, you know, as we read the Old Testament, we realize that um, some of the things they had to endure. Aren't you thankful we don't have to go through that today? Amen. Amen. But here's here's what I I know as, as I made a firsthand visit to Israel in 2013. The Jewish faith still does a lot of these traditions. They don't do the animal sacrifice because there is no temple. And I'm going to talk to you about that. The Bible does talk about when the temple is rebuilt, they will reinstitute these exact sacrifices. That is going to happen. Mark my words. Amen. So here, I just want you to understand the whole stage here. So the Lord brought his people out of Egypt. Remember the story. He brought them out. And... And then they began to murmur and complain, the Bible says. They began to say, Moses, you let us out here in the desert to die? We were better off being slaves in Egypt, right? And that's how bad, that's how sin can twist our mind. We tend to think that things are better living in sin when truly God is going, oh man, I got so much better for you. If you'd only open your eyes, if you'd only trust me. And so what he did in his grand Um, wisdom, he created a tabernacle in the wilderness. This was a portable, movable tabernacle that they would set up. And the Bible describes this tabernacle as having three basic parts. It had a courtyard, it had the holy place, and then it had the most holy place where only the priest could enter. What I just described Aaron doing, only the priest could enter in there. Anybody else would enter that into the presence of Almighty God, he would die in a second. He would die. And so God created this so that his people would have experienced his presence there with him. See, the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament people, they would love to have what you and I have. And that is Almighty God living inside of you. They didn't have that. They had to set up a tabernacle and God said, okay, I'm going to lead you by a, a pillar, a, clou- a cloud of fire, and then, and then I'm going to lead you by a pillar, a cloud during the daytime, right? And, and wherever I go, if I stop, that's where I want you to stop. And that's where I want you to set up the tabernacle. And they would set it up. And this is what they would have to do, follow these rituals. And God was very specific. Everybody say specific. God is always specific. And he had all these rules and regulations that his people had to follow when those ceremonies were done. And so the Day of Atonement, which again started Friday night when the sun went down to yesterday, the end of yesterday when the sun went down, that constituted the Day of Atonement. Really, it was yesterday. And it was during this time that everybody in Israel, the the religious Jews, they fast. They pray. They confess their sins. Because here's the, here's the thing that the Old Testament saints 
had that we don't. See, their sins weren't forgiven forever. They were just pushed out for another year, rolled away for another year. You know, here you and I have the fortune, and I'm going to get into that on the second page of your outline there. What Jesus gave us was the gift of forgiveness, amen? Amen. But here the Old Testament saints, they had to do this ritual every year, and it was God's way of reminding them, hey, are you putting your trust in me? Are you, are you trusting in me, really? Because they had to confess their sins. Because how many know if, if you don't, aren't reminded of that, time will go and you, 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 if left to your own devices, you won't ask God for forgiveness. You'll, you'll go a day and then two days and then a week and then a month and then pretty soon half a year. Then pretty soon it's been a couple of years and you've been sinning and you haven't asked God to forgive you. When all he wants is just for you to say, Lord, man, I blew it. You know why? Because you're human just like me. We all blow it. None of us here are perfect. All God wants you to do, God wants you to do is acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you need Him and He'll be your strength. Amen? So again, Leviticus 16, which we just read, is the main text for understanding the atonement. The atonement. So the high priest... You know, had those specific rituals, a special garment they had to wear, and they had to wash. They had to do all these things for, for, to enter into God's presence. I, I want that to sink in. They had to do all these things to enter into God's presence. Or they, this priest would drop dead if he didn't do these things. Amen? Why do you think that is? On your outline, I I put down the imposing holiness of God. I want to read a scripture to you. It's not on your outline, but it's in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2. It says this, There is none like the Lord. There is no rock rock like our God. See, our God is a holy God. We we sing songs here of God's holiness. Holy, holy is the Lord. The Bible declares in the book of Revelation... The, the, the cherubs, the angels worship him day and night. They cry, holy, holy is the Lord. And you and I will one day be crying that as well up in heaven. But we can do the same here right now. We can declare that, yes, Lord, you are holy. See, where God is, sin cannot be. Sin cannot be where God is. So he created this grand plan to reunite us. Because ever since the fall of humanity... Ever since Adam and Eve, and we're going to have a talk when we get up there one of these days. We're going to have a talk. But uh, Adam and Eve blew it for all of us. That wasn't God's original plan. But in His mercy, He always has plan B, plan C, plan D. Amen? God does that for us. Because He knows in His infinite wisdom that we're going to mess it up every single time, given an opportunity. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, God is majestic and holy. There is none like Him. There's none beside Him, the Bible says. There's only one God, and He is a holy God. Sin cannot enter His presence. That's why when you see us say the sinner's prayer, I want to make sure that now that your sins are forgiven, that you are clean, that you are whole, restored, you can now have fellowship with Almighty God. See, only under those circumstances is He willing to fellowship with you. He'll hear the cries of a sinner, but he longs to have fellowship, oneness with you. And that can only happen when sin is removed out of the way. Amen? You know, there's, there's uh, various um, terms to describe sin. 
Because how many know sin has a destructive nature? Sin, just the word sin, causes you sometimes to shudder, to think of what's going on in our world. We read things every day, social media. I've, I've shared with you here recently what I've read on social media of the sins and stuff that's going on in our world, in our cities. And what does the Bible say in Romans chapter 3, verse 23? For all have sinned. Everybody say all. all. That includes you and I. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means no matter how good you are, no matter how fine you dress, no matter what you're wearing, you still fall short of the glory of God. Amen? All of us do. And let me read this right here to you, this paragraph I wrote. Scripture uses a variety of terms to describe what um, sin means. So, for example, sin is described as impurity, failure, rebellion, transgressions, missing the mark, trespass, iniquity, wickedness, uncleanness, and unfaithfulness, just to name a few. I could keep going. How many know I could keep going? There's a lot more terms to use for sin. Let me just share with you a few of these. Uncleanness speaks to the pollution of sin. See, God's people, he, he never intended for his people to be polluted by the ways of the world. He, he never intended for that. Unfortunately, we're, some of us can get polluted. And what I mean by that is we, we forget to ask God to cleanse us, to make us whole, to, to wash us. Because I don't know about you, but after working a week at my job, I have a regular job. I want God just cleaning me. I want my spirit clean because of all that filth and junk that the world throws at us. Amen. We get filled with stuff and it's not godly. Amen. We need to get it out of there. Transgressions speaks to a willful, disloyal rebellion against God. When you willfully and knowingly go against God, you're transgressing against Him. Iniquities speaks to the religious and ethical wrongdoing and wickedness of humanity. Because we can pervert what was meant for good and turn it into something evil. Amen? And, and vice versa. So, again, we got to be careful that... And then sins... That's, that's the phrase. It's a catch-all phrase. It really means missing the mark. It, it means missing the mark. When you sin, you fall short. You miss the mark. That's what sins mean. So again, all those terms are a destructive process to us as believers. Amen. We have to remember to confess our sins. Confess our sins daily. Amen. But again, how many are thankful for the great sacrifice of the Lord? Amen. And here in the Old Testament... God was merciful. See, God set up this tabernacle. So in his mercy, he said, okay, tell you what, you guys, I, I see you're going to do your own thing. You're going to complain and murmur. I'm going to set up a tabernacle. I'm going to tell you how to build it, how many feet, how many uh, feet long, wide, how big this should be, that should be. And I'm going to describe exactly the process. And I want you to observe these so that you can have relationship with me. Amen. So he did that, and, and here in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, the Bible says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. See, that's the God we serve. He's slow to anger. He's filled with loving kindness because he loves you. Amen. Don't be afraid of God. Don't run away from Him. Run to Him. Amen? Amen? 
So it's, it's important here, what I'm trying to drive at here is important to see that God initiated this Yom Kippur holiday. He initiated this, this observance. He gave Moses the instruction on how to observe it and how to uh, have the people make amends for their sin. See, if, uh, let me read to you about, about this. For the Day of Atonement, two healthy goats without defect were chosen. Two, to show the necessity of perfection in the sacrifice and the seriousness of sin. These goats were actually one sin offering with two aspects, according to Leviticus. One goat was supposed to be slaughtered as a sacrifice, and the other goat was cast out and then thrown out into the wilderness. And I want to talk to you about that here. That was known as the scapegoat. Ever hear the term scapegoat? Now you know where that comes from. Oh, he was the scapegoat in this. Uh, she was a scapegoat in that. Somebody that's blamed usually cast aside and, and used as a scapegoat. And in this case, there was a goat that, that was part of this process. And you may be thinking, man, this, this Old Testament, this is a bloody mess here. There's a, a lot of blood involved. Because I remember as a, as a believer, when I first came to church, I was thinking, man, these people really are weird. I, I was intrigued by all of this. I, I wanted what they wanted because I didn't have, I didn't grow up in church. But yet that blood thing would, I didn't understand it. And when I read the Old Testament, I'm thinking, man, these guys were, they were really way out there. But God had an ultimate design. He had a, a it was a shadow of something to come, a type of something to come. Amen? Amen. Leviticus 17 and verse 11 says the following. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Atonement is a a word that means to fully pay the necessary price. And in God's word, or God's world, blood is the price. God's world, blood is always the price. You'll see that in the Old Testament, and you see it finally revealed in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Romans 6.23 says the following, For the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You have a free gift. See, God again in His mercy and in His loving kindness offers us salvation. Now, when you get a gift offered to you, You have a choice. You can receive it or you can reject it. And that's what the world does today at God's offer. God is offering them today. Here's free salvation. It's eternal life. It's walking on on streets of gold. It's walking with all the saints of the Old Testament, the saints of the New Testament, your family members. Or you can choose to stay and be left behind and, and experience the tribulation, experience all of what's going to take place on this, on this earth. Now it's up to you. And then ultimately be resigned to a place called hell. Now God always offers us that choice. Amen. Psalm 103. I want to read two verses here. Because of God's forgiveness. This is what he does for us. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions or our sins? We as New Testament Christians can declare that our sins have been forgiven and the Bible says, thrown, cast away as far as the east is from the west. Here, back in the 
days of atonement, the, the rituals that the Jewish people had to face, those sins were just cast till the following year. They were basically just covered up. And, and then the following year, they'd have to redo it all over again. Because otherwise, the sins were upon the people. The sins were upon the nation. Amen? Are you, under, are you getting this? So, here's what I want to tell you about Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, on, on your back page here, because I'm going through this quickly, we're going to be doing communion, and, and we're going to be doing a little march here in a little bit, and I'll talk to you about what that means. Okay, so I want to talk to you about the, the ultimate day of atonement. See, Yom Kippur was a temporary assignment, a temporary uh, shadow of things to come. It wasn't God's plan for the rest of eternity. How many know that? It wasn't God's plan. See, the Day of Atonement was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. How many know that? Amen? And we celebrate that. The high priest, the slaughtered goat, the scapegoat, they all pointed to Jesus Christ, who would be that for each of us today. And who is that today? His blood, again today, brings forgiveness to each of you. Amen? Jesus, the perfect, spotless, precious Lamb of God. He was, the Bible says, without sin. Anybody here without sin? I don't think so. Me neither. But Jesus was the only one. He's the only one that ever lived and walked this earth that knew no sin. God made, made Jesus to be sin for us. He sent Him to the cross in our place. This is, the great, this is the, great, the great thing that I see in the Bible, that, that it should have been us on that cross. We should have those sins, because we do, prior to knowing Christ, we have them all over us, from the top of our head to the bottom of our, of our feet. Those sins cover us, and, and God can't fellowship with us. He, we can't be in His presence, but because Jesus stepped in and made things right, I can now have fellowship with my Father. Amen? See, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus entered the most holy place, not by the blood of goats or bulls, but by His own blood securing us redemption. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is without blemish and therefore able to purify us in the presence of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance. The Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, and let me turn there, let me turn there because I don't want to mess this up. I know this, but it says this in verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The King James says there's no remission of sins. So again, that's God's system. That's how he set it up. Uh, I probably wouldn't have done that that way, right? My thinking, you know. But God chose blood. Blood cleanses us from sins. The shedding of blood. Do you remember back in the Garden of Eden? What did, what did the Lord do when he found Adam and Eve? They were running around naked, right? They were hiding from the Lord, right? And the Bible says that they clothed themselves, or God clothed them. First, they clothed themselves with, with uh, fig leaves, right? And then the Bible said, no, that wasn't sufficient enough. The Lord clothed them with skins, 
of animals. That was your very first blood sacrifice right there. Only blood covers up sins. Only the shedding of blood can cover that. So that's been God's plan from the very, very beginning. And it's fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ were the fulfillment, was the fulfillment of the Old Testament Day of Atonement. But here's the sad news. This very day, Jewish, or this last day in two days, the Jewish faith still is looking for that Savior, still is looking for the Messiah, still is observing rituals that are no longer necessary to but they still, in their blindness, spiritual blindness, and one day the Bible says there will be a, a revival in Israel. There will be a revival. There will be a revival worldwide. There will be 144,000 Jewish saints um, reaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Read the book of Revelation. Amen. Christ paid the penalty for sin, turned us away from God's wrath so that we can now have fellowship with him we can now enter on our knees and begin to converse with God in the old testament you'd have been killed you'd have been slain in a heartbeat now you can come up here you can pray in your chair you can pray in your car and enter into the fellowship enter into what the bible calls the holy of holies the most sacred place that is God's presence that is a privilege you and I have that the old testament church didn't have they long for what you and i have they desired that amen the other thing too i don't know if you caught it when i was reading leviticus there was a curtain there there was a curtain that separated the the holy place from the most holy of holies once the, you got behind that curtain that was the where the ark of the covenant was that was where god's presence dwelt that curtain separated us from God's presence. And when the high priest went in there to perform this sacrifice back on the Day of Atonement, it said that they would tie a rope to him that would go out all the way back out here where everybody else was and that there were bells on there so that if that man, that priest, wasn't spiritually right, hadn't followed the rituals that are described in the Old Testament, he was slain right there. And the Bible says when that jingling stopped, when that jingling stopped right there, they would begin to pull and go like this and pull a dead body out. Yeah. Say, next. <laughs> right? Because they needed the, the sins of Israel forgiven. That's how serious God takes it when you enter into his presence with a holy God. And, and here's the great news. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and I where we don't have to be in fear of that ever happening to us. We don't have to walk in fear. We can have a conversation with the Lord anywhere, anytime. Amen. We don't have to be just right. How many have ever heard this? Well, Pastor Rick, thanks for the invitation to church or you invite someone to church and they say, yeah, but you know, I'm just not right. You know, I need to get my life together. I, I need to get my act together. And it's just, well, we're all there. All of us. We're just there at different degrees, Right? Excuse me. All of us need to get our life together, get our act together. There's no better day than today to come before the Lord. Amen? Amen. And here we have that ultimate privilege to come before the Lord today. Jesus 
is both the high priest and the sacrifice on the altar. Let me just read this here. The encounter of the presence of God was limited to the high priest once a year with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. The Bible says that when we come before our God, you know, especially in the Old Testament, you'll read scriptures like that where they came with fear and trembling. But here's the thing. We should still approach God with a humble attitude, with, a, with an attitude of, of reverence Amen. because he is a holy God. Amen. He is a holy God, unchanging. He's not like you and I. He doesn't have, he doesn't think like us. Bible says his ways are above our ways, are not our ways, are not, we don't think like him. No matter how spiritual you may be, no matter how many revivals you just came out of, no matter how many conferences you just went to, you're still not where God is. Amen? God, God in his ultimate kindness, faithfulness said, I want to have fellowship with you. I'm sending my son to die in your stead where you should have been, where you should have been. And then finally, as I get ready to close here, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20 says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter, and there it is, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated us through the veil that is his flesh. Amen. Amen. See there, right there, Jesus, when the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, in Jerusalem, that that, that curtain, that, that veil in the temple was ripped right in half. The Lord ripped it. There was a great earthquake, the Bible says, when he was crucified. The, the, the country shook. The earth shook. And that veil was ripped right in half. That was signifying now the Old Testament process is now done away with. I now want to have direct communion with you. There's nothing blocking access from me and you now. You and I can have fellowship anytime we want. Do you, do you get that? He did that for you, for me, for all of us, for our children, our grandchildren. He did that so that you could have fellowship with Almighty God. The God that before had all these rituals in place. All just because it was a future type of Jesus Christ who was to come. Jesus Christ provides that privilege now for each of us. Amen. And so here's the thing too with the Day of Atonement. They did this as they offered up their sins to the Lord. They did this with a spirit of humbleness. They did this with a spirit of confession. 